0: Amen. Righteousness is what we long for. Before I get into the message this morning, we had an oversight in the prayer requests. We have a young man who's been a part of our congregation over the last nine to ten months. His name is tai Chi. And this week, after spending a week with our youth in the DR, he's going to be returning home. And we want to have a time of prayer. I just want to lift him up in prayer now as he heads back home, because I am quite sure that he is not the same young man that he was when he came. And we praise the Lord for the opportunity that many of us have had to get to know him, to build relationships with him, and it has been a blessing for him to be a part of our church, to be a part of our community. So Let's lift him up in prayer now, as I'm sure there are, I can only imagine some of the concerns, some of the, just the wondering if, or wondering what's going to, going to happen. So let's pray. Father, we come before you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. I thank you for relationships. I thank you for the opportunities to build relationships, Father. We thank you for Tai Chi, Lord. We thank you for him being a part of our church family, a part of our community these last several months, Father. And Lord, we just pray a blessing upon him now as he leaves us and he returns home, Father. We pray, Lord, that we will be a part of his life from this point forward, Father, in memories and in continued communication, Lord. God, we just thank you for the privilege to get to know him, we praise you for the privilege to speak into his life, Lord. And we pray, God, that he will be equipped, Lord, to live a life devoted to you, Father, to grow and mature continuously in you, Father. And just pray for him as he travels. We pray for you for him as he settles back in at home, Lord. And we pray, Lord, that you will be there with him. We know that you will, Lord. And we pray that he will recognize and will, will sense your presence and your power, Father. We thank you, Lord, and we praise you for hearing our prayers, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, that's what the body of Christ is about is walking through life together and pouring into each other's lives. And what an opportunity we've had as a church, as a community with Tai Chi. What an opportunity we have with each other. And over the next few weeks, as I mentioned earlier this morning announcements, we're going to be talking about parenting and what an opportunity that is to pour into our children's lives. And, as I said, over the next few weeks, that's what we're going to be looking at, kind of stepping out of James and coming into a little more topical over the rest of the summer. And I pray that it, that it touches you. And I'm, I want to encourage those of you who aren't parents, those of you who are not grandparents, maybe you're parents-to-be, maybe you just have children who are under your influence, don't check out. Don't check out these next few weeks because there's going to be truth in this for you. You may never have the potential to be a parent, but many, and in fact, the majority of the principles we're going to look at are principles that we can apply to our relationships with fellow brothers and sisters. So please don't check out and think that this is just for parents or grandparents or caregivers. The truths that we want to look at, I pray, are universal in the relationships that we have with each other as brothers and sisters in Christ. The first thing we want to look at as we get into principles that apply to parenting, and, and what God has to say about parent, parenting is the heart. So The sermon is entitled, The Heart of the Matter. And the first thing we want to define is, what are we talking about when we talk about the heart? Well, first of all, for these purposes, we're not talking about the physical heart, the heart that's beating within our chest, that, that pumps our blood around our body to, to perform the different functions as that performs. No, we're talking about a spiritual heart. And it's defined basically as, in a figurative way, way, the thoughts and the feelings of the mind, also by analogy, the middle, the center. It's basically the heart we're talking about, the spiritual heart we're talking about is the center of who we are as individuals. And that's where we want to start this morning. That's where we want to start with our study and our look at different aspects and principles in parenting. For a text this morning, I've decided to go to Mark chapter 7. And we'll be starting in verse 20, going through verse 23. And it says, And he said, What comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, Sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and they defile a person. Let's pray. Father, we come before you this morning, Lord God. We praise you for this text this morning, Lord. We, play, we praise you for the truth this morning. And we pray, God, that you will guide us through this this morning as we look at our hearts, as we look at the hearts of our children, as we look at the hearts of each other, Father. We just pray for wisdom to understand it, to have the tools to be able to address it, Father. We praise you in advance for your guidance, and we thank you for your wisdom, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Again, have it divided into three different subjects this morning, three different topics. And the first thing we want to look at is the problem. What exactly is the problem that we're facing? And that problem is the fact that we are all born sinners. Remember, Paul said, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. It doesn't say some. He says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And that, again, as I said, is a problem. It's a very big problem. Well, what does it cost us? What does that problem cost us? In Isaiah chapter 59, verse 2, it says, But your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you, so that he does not hear. First Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9. It says, For you do not, for do you not know that The unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. That's a pretty heavy list. When our focus this morning is children, that may that's one of the thoughts that came to my mind as I read that verse. But the thing we want to really focus on in that verse is that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. Those who willfully involve themselves and have those sins as a part of who they are will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's a huge problem, brothers and sisters. That means that when our life on this earth ends, we will not be in heaven with God. We will be in hell. The unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. Well, let's look back at our text from Mark just a little bit as we list some of these sins. And we look at them. I mentioned that this is kind of a heavy list when we're talking about children. Well, is it? Some of the things he lists in Mark, verse 21, it's evil thoughts. You think our children have evil thoughts? Sexual immorality, you know, our children are coming into the, as they get older, into the the tweens and the teens. They're introduced to some things, and unfortunately, in our society today, even earlier, they're introduced to some things that we really don't think they're ready for, and they're not ready for. And they're not introduced to it in the way that God intends it to be introduced to them, or what He has planned for it. They are introduced to it in a sinful and explained to them in a sinful way and encouraged to participate in a sinful way. This is an issue with our children. Another thing they deal with is theft. Have you ever caught your children stealing just little things or even big things? What about murder? Jesus said if we're angry at someone in our hearts, it's the same as murder. What about adultery? No, they're not married yet. But those sexual sins and and tendencies can build up toward that. What about coveting? Do your children desire something that someone else has? What about wickedness or deceit? Do you see that in your children at times? Sensuality, and that's not just a sexual thing that we were referring to earlier. That's looking for things of the flesh to satisfy us, pleasures of the flesh, whether it be food or even, sadly, drugs. Things that that satisfy our senses and feed our senses. What about envy? Do, Do your children envy things that other children have? What about slander? Do your children talk bad about other children? They kind of word, they kind of give words back and forth and fuss about each other. We've seen it happen. We've heard it. What about pride? Do your children have pride? Do they do they want people to pay attention to them for what they've done or what they've accomplished? Foolishness. Well, do we see foolishness? We see foolishness not only in our children. We we not only see these sins in our children. None of them, but we see this rampant in our world today. Just foolishness, lack of thought or concern or or any foresight in in many things that people do. Well, what do we do about these things? What do we do when we see these sins in our children? Well, the reality is we can't be righteous enough. We've talked about that many times. we talked about the unrighteous not inheriting, inheriting the kingdom of heaven. The reality is we can't be righteous enough to inherit the kingdom of heaven. Our children cannot be righteous enough to inherit the kingdom of heaven. The reality is God does it. And we know that when we come to a saving relationship with Jesus Christ, that God does it. God saves us from eternity. His righteousness is imputed, is put upon us, so that we have our ticket into heaven. We know that. We believe that. We want to just stand on that as as affirmed and true this morning. But how? What we want to look at this morning is, how do we live as overcomers? When we have accepted the righteousness of Christ for our ticket into heaven then we still have this life to live. And that's what we're seeing manifested in our children. That's what we're seeing manifested in our fellow brothers and sisters. It doesn't look like they're living a life for God. And that's what we want to address this morning. We want to see where their heart is. And in doing so, we want to learn how we teach our children to rise above sin. How we teach our children to be overcomers. And the reality is, the way we do that is, we go to the source, Well, what is the source? In verse 21, it says, From within, out of the heart of man, come these things, come these sins that we talked about. But also, out of the heart of man, come the fruits of the Spirit that we've talked about earlier when we went through Galatians. In Luke chapter 6, verse 45, it says, A good person, out of the good treasure of his heart, Produces good. And the evil person, out of his evil treasure, produces evil. For out of the abundance of his heart, the mouth speaks. Again, it points us back to know that a heart change is required in order for these manifestations of sin to be taken care of, to be removed, to be removed from us. Well, how do we get that heart change? Well, the reality is, we ask and we believe, and we trust and know that God will supernaturally change that in us. In 2 Corinthians chapter five verse 17, "Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. What's the solution? To give our life to Jesus Christ? The solution is to lead our children to a life, a relationship with Jesus Christ. So how does that help us change our kids? I want to ask you this morning, what's wrong with your kids? What would you say is wrong with your kids? I'm not looking for details and I'm not looking for audible answers here this morning. But I ask you to ask yourself, what's wrong with your children? And I think to summarize it, we would all say, well, they don't behave. (coughs) They don't do... What I expect them to do. They don't do what I believe God expects them to do. What have we decided this morning? we decided that the heart determines behavior. How have many of us learned to deal with behavior? How do we deal with behavior? We reward good behavior and we punish bad behavior. That's the way many of us have been raised. That's the way we're treated in our jobs. That's the way we've been treated throughout life. If you do good things, you get good things. If you do bad things, you get bad things in general. It doesn't always work out that way. But in general, that's what we've been taught in the natural. And what we do with our children is we try to make them stop being bad. We do this very thing. We try to reward good behavior and we try to punish bad behavior. And that's where we stop. The reality is we have to look at their hearts. We have to seek to understand, and we have to seek to apply the grace of Jesus Christ to their hearts. Because remember, what's in their hearts is manifested in acts of sin. What's in our hearts is manifested in acts of sin. Scripture says, that we looked at it, Mark says, these acts of sin defile them. In verse 23, I'm going to go back to the message paraphrase again. It says, All these are vomit from the heart. All these manifestations of sin are vomit from the heart. What's that tell us? That tells me that treating behavior alone is just simply cleaning up vomit. If we don't get to the source of the vomit, if we don't get to the source of the sin it will just find other ways to manifest itself. If you're dealing with a sickness, if you have uh, some sort of illness, and you just treat the symptoms, there may be an infection, there may be a blockage, there may be something wrong. If you don't deal with that, you're going to continually be dealing with the vomit. And if we don't deal with the heart issues that are leading to the manifestations of sin in our children, we're going to be continually, constantly dealing with the vomit of their sinful hearts. But how do you know what's in the hearts of your children? Well, there's only thing, one thing you do need to know. We're all born sinners. So what's in their heart naturally is a sin nature. Well, how? How do we change that heart? Believe the gospel. It's that simple. Believe that Christ took our sins, paid the full penalty for us, and empowered us to overcome it. That's why He came. That's why he died. That's why he was resurrected. That's why he sits as an intercessor at the right hand of God in heaven today. To give us the power to live as overcomers. The reality is when we have a relationship with Jesus Christ, we no longer want to serve ourselves. We want to serve him. You say, wait a minute, Kevin, but I still sin. I do some pretty dumb and wretched things. I believe you do because we're still maturing we're still growing in the flesh but the reality is when you have a relationship with jesus christ deep down inside some of us it's deeper than others depending on the level of maturity where we're at but you have a desire to do what god wants you to do you have a desire to live a life of obedience when you have a true relationship with jesus christ remember scripture says we're being sanctified in hebrews chapter 10 verse 14 For by a single offering, he has perfected for all time. That's the salvation he gives us. That's that righteousness that is imputed upon us. Those who are being sanctified. Being sanctified. It's not those who have been sanctified. Those who are being, who are in the process of being sanctified. When we have that relationship with Jesus Christ, when our children have that relationship with Jesus Christ, they have a desire deep within them to do what's right. But they're battling against their flesh. And the reality is they have to be taught that they're not battling alone. They need to know that the gospel is there for them. The power of the gospel is there for them to overcome these sinful tendencies, these sinful choices, these literal acts of sin. The reality is some things are habits. And it's sometimes hard to discern between habits and sin. And you say, well, what are you talking about, Kevin? I think this is an important point because sometimes it's just a matter of helping our children, helping ourselves to overcome habits. And to give you an example, kind of a personal example. I mean, it's a funny example, but... How many of you have been to Sky Zone? Remember that I can't see you raise your hand. so anybody who's been to Sky Zone, please say I. Okay, I heard a lot of young voices. But I've been to Sky Zone. We went last summer, and one of the things you can do there is they have a trampoline you can jump off of and you can jump into a pit full of foam cubes and i did this but i don't know how many of you have a habit when you go swimming what do you do well what i did when i jumped off that trampoline i was in the air and i went like this i wasn't going to need to hold my nose when i landed in those foam cubes but it was a habit and i thought oh, i gotta quit doing that and i did it three more times and at least one of those, I was like this. Like, no, and I think it was caught on on camera also. But I say that just as an example. There are there's similar things in our Christian lives to condition our flesh. There's certain habits that we need to break, and they began as sin. My holding my nose didn't become didn't begin as sin, but there are habits that we have that began as sin. But we have no there's there's some habits that we have no desire to, to any longer do. But they're just habits that need to be broken. We need to identify those in our children. And again, the only way we're going to break them is by the power and the grace of Jesus Christ. But I I just want to help you recognize this morning that there are sinful choices and there are just simply habits that need time to condition, to grow and mature out of. But the reality is, going back to this idea of behavior, when we work on behavior alone, and when we focus simply on behavior, there's always new bad behavior to come up behind it. But the reality is, when we work from the heart, when we fill the heart with the power and the good news of the gospel message, we push the sin out. You see, we're so used to just trying to scrape off the behavior, but then it just keeps re-manifesting itself. But when we pour in the gospel message and we help our children, we help our fellow brothers and sisters in that case, focus on the power of the gospel, that good news, that power pours into their hearts and pushes the sin out. Now sometimes that can get kind of ugly. And people resist it because there are things that they don't really want to let go of. But when the gospel message hits their heart, they don't have any choice. But they rebel and they run and they know what they're supposed to do, but they just don't want to do it. You see it in your children. You see it in your fellow brothers and sisters. So it can be painful. It can be nasty. It can be ugly. And we can take it personally. But it's not intended to be personal. It's, it's a process. It's a cleansing. And when the gospel is applied, like I said, people, people can fight it. People can work against it. And it can manifest itself in other ugly ways. But the important thing is to keep your eye on Christ and to keep pouring the gospel message into them by word, by your actions by whatever means God gives you to bring them the truth of the gospel. Think of it like a garden. I've used this illustration many times, but you know we've had a really wet summer, spring and summer, as Ray talked about earlier this morning. And your gardens, undoubtedly, through some of those wettest parts, got pretty weedy. Well, when we deal with our gardens, do we take a push mower in and we just mow the weeds off? It doesn't take very many days until they're pretty tall again, does it, if we do it that way. No, what we do is we till it and we plow it. And we tear up the roots of those weeds so that it's a a lot more struggle for them to to take root again. Now there's still seeds there and they're going to pop their head up again and we have to continue to work that garden. But the more diligent we are at it in cleaning those weeds out, the less and less weeds there are going to be coming back. The gospel is a plow for our hearts. No, it's not some cold steel object that just rips through our hearts. It's a gentle, loving, powerful tool that we have to uproot the sins that we have that manifest themselves in our lives. But it is a powerful tool, and it's a powerful tool for us as parents to use with our children. The important thing that we have to remember is to teach the power, to teach the message, and to display the power of the gospel to our children. We have to show them God's love. One thing that we're tempted to do as parents, because we've been conditioned that way, in many ways we've been taught this way, is as a consequence of our children's poor behavior is to withhold love. We ourselves have lived our lives where we think we have to get right before we can go to God. But we have to think we have to get righteous before we can go to God. So we're so busy trying to clean up our messes before we ever go to God because we don't think we're worthy. We're not worthy, but He's given us a tool to overcome our unworthiness and to give us His righteousness to come before Him. And then what we do is we <clears throat> carry that thought over to our children and we withhold love for them, trying to get them to submit, trying to get them to behave doesn't work that way the reality is for us god is the only way that we're going to get right so we kind of got ourselves stuck in a circle if we're trying to get right before we get to god we're not going to because we need him to get right and our children need god to get right to overcome their sin natures i asked you this morning how many of you are powders and don't raise your hands there's another rhetorical question one that doesn't need a public answer but how many of you are powders you don't get your way or something goes wrong, do you get quiet? Do you expect your spouse, do you expect your children to know why you're pouting? And you want them to, do, to submit to what you want them to do, and then you'll stop pouting. My toes are hurting just a little bit. But is that the way God loves us? No, He doesn't withhold His love. And what I encourage you to do this morning is to identify that as sin. Because the way you're going to change your children is by showing them how God loves them despite their sin. Show them how you love them despite their sin. Show them also how true love executes loving consequences. How true love disciplines. How true love corrects. It's important that we model that for them. The the tendency we have is, well, discipline, why? Because they've embarrassed us. So I encourage you, don't discipline your children because they've embarrassed you in some way. Not because they cost you something. Not because they're a nuisance to you. Don't discipline your children because of that. Our desire is to discipline our children because they sinned. Because we want to help them. Because we want to empower them. You look at Matthew 18, I believe it's starting around verse 15, somewhere in that area. It gives us a step-by-step process of how to execute church discipline. The key to executing church discipline, the key to performing discipline with our children is to make it all about restoring them, not making them pay for what they did. When we make it about them and bringing them to a right relationship with Jesus Christ and empowering them to overcome the sin that they've been exhibiting, that's the key. When we don't make it about you're going to pay for how you embarrassed me in front of my friends. You're going to pay for what you cost me. And, and I was trying to watch this TV show, and you're just being so loud. And, and I told you so many times to be quiet. When we discipline for that, it's not, it, it takes a focus. It's a sinful focus. It takes a focus off of God and puts it on us. We want to teach our children to live for God. Not for us, not for anyone else, but for God. And we're going to talk about that subject in detail a lot later in another, in another message in this series. But for this purpose of this morning, I just want to encourage you to search your motives for disciplining your children. And remember the object of disciplining your children is to affect change in their hearts. And that change is affected by the go- by power and gospel of Jesus Christ. Remember, behavior is not the basic issue. Behavior reflects the heart. The behavior is a manifestation of what's going on in the hearts of your children. In a way, we should rejoice when we see these behavior things manifested, that they're not being covered up, that they're not being hidden, because it's an opportunity to see into their hearts and see what's going on. It's a tool to, for God to direct us to address the heart issue behind it. And as children, it's manifested in in these simple ways Is, is being selfish about things or whatever it may be, but by having an early indicator to these heart conditions, we may be able, by the power of God, to protect them from some horrible decision when they're an adult. Behavior must be addressed. Remember, some behaviors, many behaviors, are dangerous to themselves or to other people. That's why we have laws like speed limits and things like that. And that's why there are certain behaviors that we cannot accept, that we have to address first, but we can't stop at addressing the behavior. We have to. I say we have to. It's very, very important for us to look at the hard issues behind the behaviors that we see. Ultimately, our goal is to, explore, to expose the source of the bad behavior. Let's look at it in closing this morning as... In a practical area, a practical situation, you've probably seen this many times. You have two children fighting over one toy. What is the first question that we typically ask? Can somebody say this out loud? Two children fighting over a toy, what's the first question we tend to ask? Who had it first? That's the first question we ask. Is that the question we should ask? That's justice, isn't it? It's simple. We say, well, who had it first? That person gets to keep it. When you're addressing the heart, that's not the way you address that situation. The reality is both children in that situation have a heart issue. They have a hardness of heart. You have two sinning children in that situation. Both of them are selfish. Both of them have decided that their happiness at that moment depends on whether or not they have that toy. One is taking, trying to take from the other. One is selfishly trying to keep that toy. So what happens if you give it to the one who had it first? Every time. They will make sure they have it first the next time. You've not addressed the heart issue, but when they go into a room, they will scope out and say, which toy do I want? And they will make a beeline for it. And they will make sure they have it first. What will happen when they're an adult? They will make sure that I am taken care of. I being themselves. They will make sure that they set things up so that they have things first so that injustice they have what they want, what they need. When reality, what we should be addressing is their focus on I, their selfish focus on meeting their own desires, what they've considered as their right. No, what Jesus would do, he says, someone takes your tunic, give them their cloak, give them your cloak also. That's the heart of Jesus, and that's the hard issue we would, in that situation, we would address with our children. Discipline must address attitudes of the heart and not just behavior. Discipline cannot just be based on justice because justice overlooks attitudes of the heart. It just looks at circumstances, simply circumstances, and does not address the heart. What we need to do as parents is to engage our children, to get involved in their lives, not just reprove them when they do things wrong, but we need to be a part of their lives. We need to help them to focus on the cross. We need to help them be connected to the power source. This takes time, and it seems insurmountable, impossible to overcome at times. But the reality is, if we can get past what we're used to, because that's what it is, naturally we're used to treating behavior. Naturally, we've been taughting, we've been taught to look at behavior and deal with behavior alone, because this sinful actions are natural responses to things what's what's difficult is converting from the natural addressing behavior to the supernatural and allowing god to do it you see when we truly focus on the heart and when we purposefully intentionally look into the hearts of our children what we're doing through prayer what we're doing through wisdom that god gives us to speak to our children is addressing their heart issues and when those heart issues are dealt with life's going to get a whole lot easier. So it may, be, it may seem more difficult at the time to cross that threshold, to cross that p- point of focusing on behavior and going into the heart. But again, it's only because it's not what we're used to. It's not what we've been conditioned to. It's not what Satan wants us to do. He knows that those heart issues are dealt with, that these people are going to be able to live victorious lives, and he's going to have no more hold on them. So I encourage you this morning as parents, as grandparents, as caregivers, as individuals dealing with fellow brothers and sisters. Look to the heart. And when those heart issues are dealt with supernaturally, not by anything you've done, anything you're capable of doing, but by the grace of God overcoming those issues in their hearts, the sinful manifestations, the behavior will change. And it may take time. It will take time in many cases. There are those times, and I'm sure many of you can testify in your own life and to people you come in contact with, when they came to a saving relationship with Jesus Christ, there were sinful behaviors that disappeared instantly. They were gone. But there are those, like we talked about this morning, that will take time, that we are being sanctified. This morning we touched on several areas. But I want to leave you with a thought that it must begin with the heart. As we talk over the next four weeks in other areas, it all comes back to dealing with the heart, with your children, with your grandchildren, with Fellow brothers and sisters, if we don't focus on the heart, we are going to struggle, and we are going to struggle, and we are going to struggle. But when we focus on the heart, we will see change. Some cases slow, some places instantly, but we will see change when we draw on the power and the gift that is available to us in the saving and empowering grace of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, we come before you this morning, Lord, I praise you, God, for that power. Lord, I praise you for the ability, the tools that you give us to focus on the heart, Lord. God, help us to overcome what man has established before, what comes naturally to us, Father, in trying to deal with behavioral issues and sin manifestations in the flesh. Lord, help us to cross that threshold, to overcome that hump, and Lord, to learn to allow you to supernaturally deal with the matters of our heart, to change our hearts, to uproot, to push out the sins that manifest themselves in our lives, Father. Lord, give us the peace. Give us the power to rest in you and trust, Lord, that you will change. Give us wisdom as parents to identify sinful choices, to identify manifestations of sin, to help and come alongside our children and help them to overcome what may just be bad habits, Father. Give us the wisdom to discern those things, the wisdom to overcome those things, Father. And we praise you, Lord, that we know that that power is available. Just give us the strength, Lord, to connect to it, to address the matters of the heart, Father, and to rejoice in the results, Father, the results that will be there, Lord. We praise you for that, God. We praise you, Lord, that we have that power so that we won't be creating whitewashed tombs like we read about earlier this morning, Lord, in Matthew. Lord, help us to address the hearts of our children, Lord, so that they will be cleansed from the inside out, that they won't be those dead men's bones, Father. That we won't be dead men's bones walking around, that we won't be those whitewashed tombs, Lord, but we will be glowing and overflowing with the changing power and majesty of your grace, Lord. We praise you, Father, and we thank you, God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.